Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, he's doing an outstanding job. These guys are the best in the world, and he's making it difficult. And even when they score on him, he's coming right back and trying to win the next possession, and that's what we love about him. Um, and he's he's uh, he's really fearless, and he's unflappable. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. How many moral victories is that now on the season, Judd Zolgad? How many have we well, been tallying the moral victories for the Timberwolves? Let's classify them because last night was was a quality moral victory. Like last, really was. I was... Off my couch last night, almost weeping at the thought <laughs> of how competitive the Wolves were. And I mean, you know, after being smoked in the first quarter, they cracked down on defense and mm-hmm. played so very well. And I could tell Finchie was excited Finchie. by it. Like, I mean, Finchie was like, if you took Finchie. away, Finchie, told, Finchie said, if you take away the first 12 minutes of that game, that's a win for us. So yeah, that's in in fact the wolves are now small a small known fact that only I track. The wolves now are are not the worst team in the league. They are the fourth best team when it comes to if you take away a quarter, you should see the amount of games that they win. Like if if this is a thirty six minute game, you should oh my god. They're going to the playoffs. They're gonna be in the three quarter playoffs. I guarantee it. Yeah, if they can just pick their three quarters after all the games are played. Of course. Right? All right, this is great. Let's just of course. let's just get rid of. It's like when you're isn't it like when you're factoring in a golf handicap? Like don't you get don't you have to like lop off the, <laughs> like the ends? Like if you shoot a like if you shoot 130 at Pebble <laughs> yeah. Beach or something, like we're not going to count that. Uh but if you you know, if you if you cheat and fire a 65, we're not going to count that either. It's kind of like the Timberwolves. By the way, speaking of golf, before we dive into a juicy question, and rumor has it we may be getting a Randy and Cottage Grove 1.0 mock draft. Oh, I just want to say. He's back this year? I just want to say that he has nailed correctly two of the last three Vikings first-round picks, Mike Hughes and Justin Jefferson. And so this dude, he's going to come on, give us his 1.0. It's a tradition. So we'll do that. But speaking of golf, PXG Minneapolis is where it's at. If you want some of the best clubs on the market, PXG has you covered right now with their Gen 4 clubs. All right, Drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons. These are PXG's flagship clubs, which, by the way, like the flagship for PXG and the fact that these are the best clubs PXG has ever made, that is a high bar because they make amazing golf clubs. Uh, they also have the uh, the zero two eleven golf clubs, a full line of high performance clubs packed with PXG technology, priced a little bit more within reach. And if you just want to look stylish, if you just listen, maybe maybe your golf game is too far gone. I don't know, maybe it's just too far gone. You just want to look good. Just want to look good. PXG's new spring and summer apparel just arrived in store. Yesterday, I was going through PXG's hat selection on their website. Ooh, yeah. They have just a million awesome hats. So PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center and find out more at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. It's it's a, a golf hat. I like forget like the dexterity of it because it like how, honestly it, it breathes really easily as I getting choked up just even thinking about being on the golf course really, right now. It's really emotional. It really, it really is. is. It's, it's it was seventy degrees here. The wind was blowing. The gale force winds. I yeah, mean, like I, is... I was I was hoping the wind would be at my back when I'd be teeing off yesterday because I mean it was. Crazy. I got branches down, baby. I got branches down. It's a problem. Wow. Uh, so when when Randy calls, <laughs> can we agree 
this year that we will not alienate him. And because I believe it was last year, Phil, that you said something and he cut off the mock. Now, I think we did get the Vikings pick, so he he was accurate. But I think that you said something and then he got upset and hung up yeah, the he phone. Tried, yeah, he tried to bring a sponsor and on he tried to, our show well, without I just don't want to. I don't want to upset him. I want the mock this time. Listen, I'm just I, I'm excited for. It. I just want to know who he thinks the Vikings you know are what? picking at 14. If he brings a sponsor, who knows where that could lead. Well, as long as he's sharing the revenue, that's all. That's exactly. All I care. Well, that's what we want. Uh, so, all right. So last night, I'm going to pose a question that might make y'all feel a little uncomfortable. Makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it, I just want to acknowledge it was an emotional night for Cat. It was it was the first time that his father has attended a game since his mother died from COVID last year. It's been a really hard year for him. He talked after the game about um, just how how emotional it was with his father in the stands and his dad was trying to be more of a vocal presence than usual to take sort of the place of his mom. And uh, he said, my mom would have been proud of the way I played tonight. And so it was an emotional night for Towns. I know they should, we mocked them off the top, but like they showed some fight. They spent the entire night digging back against one of the better teams in the NBA. And they pulled within one within the final minutes. And so they, they, they at least didn't quit and lay down. But, but the Timberwolves after last night, Judd and Declan are now 47 and 79 when Carl Anthony Towns plays over the last three seasons after the Jimmy Butler trade. 47 and 79 in games in which Carl Anthony Towns plays. What does that mean to you? All right. I told you this um, after covering the Rockets games. And by the way, on Friday, Cat played an instrumental role in the 22 0 run that brought. The Wolves back from 16 points down in the fourth quarter for an improbable win. But I told you this yesterday. The more I watch Cat, the more I have questions about his game, and the more I have questions about his consistent, his level of, or his ability to lift up and elevate those around him on the court, not just him himself. This goes to a very dark place, and I hate to go there, but I will. Um. You actually love to go there. Yeah, you love so. to go. Well, here. no, because I'm gonna. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to. Ad, I'm going to admit to a fault on my part. Um, I still don't agree with how Jimmy Butler went about his business here. I think he and Tibbs were bullies, and I don't know. I would not suggest that the way that they worked was is the best way to work uh, in 2019, 2021. That being said, the more I see from Cat, the more I do see. Unfortunately, what frustrated Butler, I'm sure. Probably more about Cat than than Wiggy because I think Wiggy was sort of just a lost cause. Cat's not. I mean, Cat is a has tremendous talent, and when he applies himself, he can be great, and he can definitely stuff a box score like our guy Kirk Cousins. Gratuitous Kirk Cousins shot. Um, but unfortunately, what it what it tell what it tells me, Phil, and what I'm seeing is there are a lot of things about the Wolves culture that I don't like. And I don't think Cat elevates it. And that really concerns me because we can say, we can say, okay, the simple answer is get an alpha and he's just the two. He's the Robin, not the Batman. But that's black and white. Like that is far too simple. My issue with that is this one. Anthony Edwards is 19. He's incredibly impressionable. And yes, he has faults. And yes, he's far from a complete basketball player. But when you watch him play at times, there is first overall pick talent there. And he's not Wiggy. He cares. I think he's competitive as hell, okay? So, like, he is not a lost cause. But I see him falling into habits and nobody, including Cat, correcting those things. And when Anthony Edwards drives the basket and he doesn't dunk and he doesn't make a shot and he thinks he's foul, he's seen Cat a lot now. And what does he see? Where's the call? Where's the call? I'm going to stand here until I get a call. And meanwhile, the ball is in transition going back up the floor. So this is this is not a, well, and is the one and Carl's the two. It's that simple. Carl's an important, instrumental part of this team. And people are watching him. And what he doesn't do is just as important as what he does do. Long, uh, long way of saying, in short, I have real reservations about who I think Carl is and what he brings to this team as far as an overall culture standpoint. It's so tough because you're you're trying to turn around 15 years 
mostly. The, the there there was the Jimmy Butler run, and that was just sort of a flash of light across the sky, and it was tumultuous, and we all know how it ended. But for the better part of fifteen years, the Wolves have been. This is one of the worst stretches in North American sports history, record wise, and the fact that. More teams make the playoffs every year than miss the playoffs, and the Wolves have been there once since Kevin Garnett left. And and so it is it is a daunting, tall task, whether you're in the front office or a coach, especially when you have an owner that's just not, like, he's such a nice guy, Glenn Taylor, but he's just such a bumbling buffoon of a basketball owner. And, and like, he, he doesn't set that winning culture. He doesn't demand excellence in the way that maybe a Mark Cuban does or the Bus family in Los Angeles, right? Uh, and so you're you're really trying to whether it's Carl Anthony Towns or a coach or a front office like to lift all of that up off the franchise's shoulders and turn it around. It takes a Herculean effort. It also takes hitting on draft picks and free agents and trades and whatnot. But the, like the more I think about it, it's complicated because Towns is such an incredibly talented player. I mean, he is one of the most talented seven footers that's ever stepped foot in the NBA. He's one of the best shooters in the league. Um, obviously puts up ridiculous numbers on a regular basis. He is their best player right now. He's their best just he's their most efficient scorer. He's their best player right now. But he doesn't feel like a guy who's the driving force for a winning team. Mm-hmm. He feels like a passenger. And and I like I, I t- it's hard to even rip him for that because there's a, like most humans on earth would be unable to turn 15 years of a losing culture. A Kevin Garnett type personality Absolutely. A Kobe Bryant-type personality. Towns doesn't have that personality. Cat is much closer to being a Kevin Love than a Kevin Garnett for me. Two guys who both put up ridiculous numbers as Timberwolves. One of them won a lot more games than the other. Some of it was teammates. But it's let's not forget, it wasn't like Kevin Garnett was blessed with you know, a big three for 10 years here. Kevin Garnett was putting up some ridiculous numbers and winning 45 to 55 games with scrub rosters too, okay? But... Winning DNA, winning attitude, leadership, everything, demanding excellence, and being that sort of alpha personality is what it took to turn the first 10 years of Wolves' ineptitude around late 80s, early 90s. And so for the first time in six years, I am open to the idea of exploring a trade here. If you don't think – so he's got – Cat has three years left on his contract. He's making, I want to say, 29 or 30 this year. It escalates up to $35 million uh, in the third year. I'm not going to just be actively trying to trade him, but I'm, for the first time in six years, I'm open to this discussion. If you feel like you're still two or three years away from doing anything meaningful, if there's just too much to untangle here and somebody who's ready to win right now would give you future assets and draft capital for three years of that contract. I can't believe I'm saying this because I also think you could you could just light the franchise on fire if you have to trade Carl Anthony Towns. So like I'm I'm torn well, on this, but for the first time I'm open to the discussion. Okay, and I know why you're saying that, and I see the perspective that you're coming from in saying that. But I, I was having a discussion with somebody. I think it was Saturday's Wolves Rockets debacle, and what I come back to is I think you were off the show this day, Declan, and I started with this one. What I come back to is this franchise needs to be sold. It's rotten from the head on down. And I don't know that. And and look, I think Carl has his flaws, and I do not think that he is an alpha. I think he's a very smart guy. I don't think that he has the DNA of an alpha. He is certainly not Kobe, and he's not even close to being KG. And in the big picture of life, that might be credit Carl Anthony Towns. All of that being said, okay, Phil, this franchise needs to be sold desperately because they – the culture change is not just a locker room one now. It's not just one. If we just change, perfect example, the wild, right? Like the wild, in my opinion, and I think I'm being proven right here, slowly but surely, had to have a locker room change. But Craig Leopold didn't have to sell. Like the franchise is not rotten. They had issues, but they were still fixable. But when you go back, I believe, to one playoff appearance in 17 years, and what has developed with this franchise. And when I say it's rotten from the head down, I mean it. Um, trading Carl, yes, would almost be a favor to Carl. But I really believe that we're talking now about a a granular problem, a huge problem 
this franchise needs to be sold to somebody who comes in and is engaged and, for lack of a better term, knows what they're doing. Yeah. You know, De- so Declan and I were, were texting the other night, so we've both been watching a ton of Shark Tank on CNBC. Mm-hmm. You ever watch Shark Tank? Judd, are you a Shark Tank guy? I've come across it a few times. So I don't, I don't stay great, on it long. Great mindless television they have on. Mm-hmm. It is. But it's, I've seen Cuban be, on it a lot. Yeah. Well, the, the beauty of it is it can be mindless, but it's also, like, very thought-provoking. And sure. it, it's just like you can get a crash course in angel investing and uh, and just business and all those things. And so those are like they call it Shark Tank for a reason because the there's like six or seven I want to, maybe seven or eight that they sort of rotate through. They always have five sharks and they bring on some guests. Uh-huh. And Mark Cuban's one of the sharks. And these are these are some some of them are billionaires. Some all of them are worth like nine figures or more, right? And they are they know what they're doing. They know what a business should look and feel like. They have conviction. They're not always right, but they have conviction. They're leaders, they're type A, and Mark Cuban is the star of that show. Sometimes he's abrasive, sometimes he's loving, but like he knows what he wants. He's the star of that show. Can you guys imagine Glenn Taylor on Shark Tank? <laughs> no. No. Think about I it. Couldn't. Like, like like Glenn Taylor's a billionaire too. But like could you imagine Glenn Taylor? No. Mr. Wonderful. No. You got like like could nice... you imagine him on Shark Tank? And you know what? He's very successful in a lot of things he does. The reality and, and I've tried to tell people this before and it's just true and I think until you're in it you don't get it. Sports itself and pro sports Phil is a different world. Like like you can't be like but I own the Star Tribune. And look, I'm not I'm not saying that your business dealings, if you're Glenn Taylor, have not been cutthroat at times and that you have not had to fire people. And I'm sure it can be, be tough. And you are a billionaire, basically, you know, point to you. But when it comes to pro sports, think about it. Think about the ruthless nature. Think about how things have to be done. Think about the understanding that you must. I mean, pro sports and sports in general works different than any business. It's why when when like political people from PR come into sports and they're like, I'm going to tell you what's what. You're like, no, you're not. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, shut up, observe and find out. Um, But Glenn's never gotten it, unfortunately, and he's not going to. But trading Carl, Phil, is would just be the latest like punt, right? It would just be the latest punt, which probably started in fairness to Glenn with KG um, so, so I get what you're saying, but I really think that this conversation goes to this franchise needs an owner who understands pro sports and knows what they're doing. And, and also gone are the Mon Pa days, right? Like gone are the days that, I mean, how many Glenn Taylors are there now? There, there are rich, Dude. successful billionaire business people, but like how many, I'm going to come up for Mankato for all the home games, right? Like, Dude. how many of those guys are left, Phil? Dude, I mean, I, I, I'm i glad you brought that up because, like, a, as you were as you were talking there, I was just kind of putting together a list in my head and thinking about, like, who who are the owners in the NBA right now? And why are why are some of these franchises, well, all of these franchises, just light years ahead of the Timberwolves in every way, right? I mean, look at who owns teams. Mark Cuban, one of the most successful shark businessmen in the world the last 20 years, right? Steve Ballmer, Microsoft, right? Like these are these are yeah. these aren't just like family made, you know, small town. Um, the Bus family, one of the one of the great professional sports ownership families and marketing families going back forty five years in sports, yeah, exactly. In sports history, right? Yep. And then you got this the, the one guy I was trying to look up, um, the guy who just bought the Jazz recently. Yep. Uh, his name is Ryan Smith. He's like forty two years old. He's a, he's worth one point five billion dollars. I think he's a tech guy, right? And like, yeah, Glenn Taylor has more money than him, but like these like these dudes are not messing around That's... at all. Like they're looking for edges. They are curious people. They demand excellence from their organization, and it just kind of like Glenn is such a shrug your shoulders sort of. Bumpkin owner. He likes sitting courtside. Like that's his bit. Like, hey, I get to sit courtside. What's going on today? Yeah. So I don't know. It's frustrating. And for the and for the first time, not I'm not saying that it would be a prudent move. I'm just saying like I wouldn't be mad if they explored that conversation if they thought that all right, we 
We just need some more capital here to smooth this thing out. But I don't think I don't think trading cats the solution either. I'm just I'm just sort of searching for answers. <laughs> I've got one. Sell the team. And then and then the quick comeback is, but they might move. And as I told Dex when we talked about this, I am willing to roll the dice now. Like I am now willing to roll. This is no way to live. Like this is no, this is not a basketball existence. This is hell. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, do we? Do, are we doing this? Are we doing, doing a one right yeah. now? We're doing this. Wow. This is actually one of my one of my favorite days of the year now because <laughs> Randy in Cottage Grove has nailed two of the last three Vikings first round picks. He spends basically every waking second mocking in his free time, mocking probably when he should be working, for all we know. I'm on uh, don't offend him. You're on furlough? Yeah, I, I paid paid leave. Is everything Are okay? You, is, everything, yeah, is everything yeah. cool? Like, what, what happened there? Yeah, I told, I've told you uh, you guys in the past, it's uh, it just it's a, it's a legal thing. It's, it needs to blow over, and then it'll be fine. You've been but on furlough. In the meantime, they're paying me to stay away, so I, I, I'll just keep mocking. You've been on furlough for like a year plus, right? It takes a little Sometimes these things take time to play out. Hmm. I guess. Maybe I like it's a your glitch empl- in the system. Who's your, who's your employer? Can I apply there? I like this furlough gig. It's government, it's government related. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm. All right. Randy knows where all the. It's illegal. It, it was a dispute. Uh, to myself and one uh, other guy who also is being paid to, to, to stay away. So, you know, we're, uh, we, you, get, you get in a dust-up, uh, and, and everybody wins, I guess. Wow, more, more, more time for mocking, I guess, which is, mm. which is why you're here today. Uh, Randy, I just, just for people that are new here to the show, Randy and Cottage Grove, you can follow him on Twitter at RandyVikes69. And uh, really, like we do, we do a lot of we do a lot of mock drafts on this show. We are really the home for mocking in the Twin Cities, and I think Randy has emerged as maybe the king mocker, nailing two of the last three Vikings first round picks. Now, you'll give us your final mock draft, I'm sure, as we get a little bit closer. But this is this is your forum, man, Randy. Let's have it. Let's go from pick one all the way through the Vikings in the first round. I this is mock. the mock. This yeah, is the Randy and Cottage Grove 1.0 mock. This is uh, this is my 1.0. Um, of course, you know I don't do like 17 versions like a lot of guys, Trigger. Um, but uh, a 1.0 is a big. It's a big milestone. You kind of got a lot of these trades have started to shake out, and uh, you know just really gives a good look at what what how the dominoes might fall, as they say. And uh, I, I really really like how this this draft sets up. Uh, absolutely. So. Uh, we're going to start it off at the top. It's no surprise the Jags are going to take a T-Law, as the kids call him, Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. and he's a stud. Yeah. I mean, he's just a, just an absolute stud. Uh, he's got the look, the swagger. He's got the hair. He's got the cannon. Uh, he can run around a little bit. He, he's going to be a, a, you know, the only thing that could stop his career is, is the Jaguars. Uh, but other than that, he's a stud. Uh, number two, uh, the Jets. They're going to stay in this in the quarterback uh, world, I think, and it might be kind of interesting to see what has to happen to old Sam Darnold because Zach Wilson's going to be a jet. Uh, you know, BYU kid, uh, just some, just a cannon. I mean, you want to talk about a hose on a guy? He is an absolute oh, yeah. hose, and uh, and he's going to he's going to work out. He's going to like that bright lights and that big city. A lot of people some, want to know why the Niners some, some, some hose in this house. It sounds like Randy's saying. Oh, you know, I'm dating too, so a lot of people. Whoa, are Randy, Whoa. well, you know, no, I didn't mean that. I'm just. Oh, a, congratulations! You untire. got a gal. I didn't, I didn't know you got it. Two got a gal. Do you, want, do you want the mock or my love life? Both. I, I, uh, I mean, if we have Boys, time for both, <laughs> should we vote? Love life. I'm, I'm still. I'm, I'm interested the in the mock. I'm not a kiss and tell. Uh, a lot of people want to know uh, why the Niners traded up. I can tell you why. Uh, the, the, the guy by the name of Trey Lance. Uh, He's going to be their pick there at three, and uh, he he will just drive in Shanahan's offense. <laughs> he really will, uh, and I'll tell you guys this right now: uh, he's going to make Marshall of Minnesota uh, more proud than Schwan. Schwan's is that's where Schwan's is from, <laughs> uh, but he's going to be bigger than Schwan's. Just watch. Uh, wow. But Schwan's is good, actually. They uh, they uh, they do a stuffed chicken breast, um, 
you know, Randy, uh, if you could, I don't know if this is a sponsorship or what you're doing here. Love Life or Mock? If you could actually just like do the picks like quickly to get to 14, we don't, you know, we know these guys are all studs and that's great. But if you could just kind of, kind of pick up the pace. You want the names? You just want my order? Just 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 pick up the pace. Yeah, just, yeah. That's fine. Bang, bang, bang. All right, so Trey Lance is three to the uh, to the Niners, um, and four. Uh, I think Atlanta's gonna gonna take Patrick Sertan. He's a he's a really really solid corner, and uh, he he's gonna have a absolute you know long long career, good name, good bloodline, good pedigree, as they say. Uh, he's gonna be a pick there for uh, for the Falcons. Now I'll tell you what, uh, at five, you know, a lot of different things went through my mind at this pick. And uh, really, ultimately, I think it, it, it's just going to come down to, uh, you know, what kind of a situation uh, that they're going to find themselves in. They're looking at looking at the Bengals. And I'm going to say they go tight end. Kyle Pitt, he's just an absolute, he's a stud. He's from Florida. I'll keep it moving. Uh, uh, you know, at six, Dolphins, I could see him getting cute and trying to take, uh, you know, quarterback. But they're going to take Jalen Waddle, uh, Alabama. He's, he's such a great receiver. And, and he is a stud, uh, and he's going to go to the Dolphins there at six. Uh, Lions, they're also going to go receiver, and you better look out to them because Jamar Chase from LSU is going to be roaming around uh, in, in Detroit, and he, he he's a stud as well. Um, okay, I, I'll tell you what, uh, Carolina. Is it ha- okay. is it take, you all right? Take, take a breather here. Take a breather. You're halfway halfway to the Vikes. Here we go. Yeah, you know, Carolina, um, you know, the thing with Carolina is they could, also, they could also go quarterback. But I don't think so. I think they're going to go with Penny Sewell, uh, Oregon. He's a big beast. He's a guy who I, I'd love to see fall to the Vikes, but not going to, uh, be, because he's going there and he, he's going to keep whoever's playing quarterback, you know, upright. Uh, he's six six, goes about three and a half. I say, uh, big big guy, big stud. Wish he could fall, but he's not going to. Uh, Broncos, uh, Broncos have a lot of a lot of needs. But I think they're going to take uh, 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 Mac Mac Jones. A quarterback. Um, I think they're going to try to build another Elway with him, and uh, Elway can't resist QBs, so that'll be the pick there. Uh, as we go now into the, the, the double digits, number ten, the Dallas Cowboys. There's a lot of ways, a lot of ways the Cowboys could go with this pick, but I actually kind of think they're going to they're going to surprise a couple of people, and they're going to they're going to go ahead and they're going to take a big Devonta Devonte. Uh, uh, Smith, Devonta, I can't remember. How, I can't remember his last name. The 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 the, 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 the Alabama. Kid. It's a yeah. it's a compli- it's a complicated last name. Yeah, right there, Andy. You don't sound so yeah, good right like now. Yeah, pulled hernia Smith. or something. Smith, Smith. Uh, no, Smith. Do you need medical uh, assistance? So, so now we go to the Giants, and the Giants are going to scoop another guy that I, I really really like and would like to see follow us. But it's Christian Derrissaw, uh, the offensive tackle from VT, uh, a big guy. He's a, he can move around, you know. And, and and the Giants are going to have him in the division right there with Jalen Hurts across the way with the Eagles. And that's going to be kind of fun to see those two Alabama guys do battle. Uh, at 12, you know, this is a, a, a pick that I, again, like to see him fall to the Vikes, but they, they, the Eagles are going to go ahead and scoop or Sean Slater, you know, and, and Northwestern, he goes off the board. So now we're getting close, and, and, and all of our linemen are going. They're just going in this. And I don't like the way it falls, but this is just what's happening, okay? I'm just telling you. At 13, you know, again, another lineman goes. This is uh, Vera Tucker from USC. Uh, you know, I love Vera Tucker, and uh, he's he's gone. So here we are at 14 now. Wow. And just, just just to set the scene here, by the way, I've been tallying. So so we're, the Vikings are on the clock here for Randy's 1.0 mock draft. Justin Fields is still on the board. Yeah. There are some edge rushers on the board here. I mean, the fact that Justin Fields is on the board here, I could shocking. one of these guys is going to fall. And and so I, this is really interesting. And Randy, by the way, has nailed two of the last three Vikings first-round picks. And so I trust his instinct more than I trust pretty much any mocker out there, more than Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay. So, all right, Vikings are on the clock, Randy. Here we go. I, I, can't, I can't do it, actually. can't say it. What? Well, you, you can't do a, what you make a good point that a lot of my, a lot of people might be listening. There's the, the other mockers, and that means other teams might get their clean their info. And the, the scenario I actually had here hasn't been written about anywhere. And I actually, now that I think about it, we, we shouldn't spill the beans because if that's what no. Rick and Zimmer, Rick and Zim could, you know, do they they do the math 
let's get this to them directly so it doesn't end up in a, you know, somebody like a Schrager or a, a, a McShay takes this scenario. I actually shouldn't do it. That's how you're going to do it. That, through us. This uh, is how this works. How, how, how self-serving is this? You did 13 picks. You mentioned your love life. It sounds like you're straining your groin trying to get up to it. And now, yeah, and now you're just going to well, yeah. ditch it? Yeah, it hurts. Well, who do you got, Randy? To the Vikings. Yeah, I'm not going to do it now. You make a good point. It, it, I got to go back to it. I maybe need to put out some subterfuge. Uh, uh, or like a different. No, this is my draft. <laughs> did you wait a second? Did are are you you're, are you using our show for like smoke screens? Yeah. What, what, what is this? Just tell well, us. No, you, I, I tell us who you have now, at fourteen. Now that now that I think about it, you make a good point. I don't want to put this out there. The next thing you know, it gets it, it gets picked up, and <laughs> someone gets some of that steam, and then and then he doesn't fall to us. You know? Do you want him to fall to us or not? No, I don't care. Who is the pick? I can't, I, 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 Jeff, I'm not going to tell. I, because at this point, I got to go back to the drawing board and figure out who's listening to this thing. Dude, you realize, you realize that, like, you just wasted, like, 10 minutes of all of our lives and our no, show. I like, you to Dexter, and he said it was fine. I mean, look, look I'm not, not going to give it out, okay? Uh, not, not unless I have on good authority that it's already occurred to, 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 to Rick. Let's get it to Rick first. Uh, uh, now that you say it. The way my mock lands is a dream scenario, and I, I can't, I can't risk that. You know, it, it, you, you don't, don't even try to extrapolate who, who we're taking because now I can't say it unless I know it. Rick already has a chance to, to take a peek at it. It's Fields, right? It's got to be Fields. I can't. I, I don't know that. You don't know that. Who knows? It could be anybody now. It, it, who knows? Wow. I can't. I got to go back to the drawing board now. The whole. Now I'm in, now I'm in my head. Now I'm going to have the mock yips. This is bad. Precious. Oh, really? oh, 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 oh come on! The this, Chuck not the Chuck not block of mock drafting un- yips here. This is unbelievable. <laughs> you just hang up. You did last year. He got pissed off because of you, and I, I think it took us like a week to get or two weeks to get the mock. And now he's he's blaming you too. He said that you ba- you basically pointed out the fact, and now he's going to get it to Rick. Well, I got nothing. I, I got nothing. He he just wasted all of our time there. We uh, we're never going to get the ten minutes back that we no. just spent leading up to that fourteenth overall pick. I feel like we should almost apologize to our audience here. I, I didn't I didn't realize he was going to just not tell us who he had at fourteen. So so how's this going to work in a month when it's time to put your final mock out there? You know, is he going to do the same thing? He's going to act like he got it right. I think is what he's going to do. He's probably gonna. So he's not. He's, he's just gonna wait till after the well, draft and be like, no. Yeah. He doesn't get credit now. No, he doesn't. Like, there's no way I'm giving him credit for this, man. This is a well, BS stunt on his part. You know, maybe he'll get drunk and just tweet who he thinks is going to be the pick. That I, I would probably put that as the, uh, the betting that. favorite right now. He'll go on Twitter at Randy Vike sixty nine and get drunk and. Send out the fourteenth pick. Yeah, I, As he, maybe he'll try to email it to Rick and accidentally do it on his Twitter. I, I've shot my I've shot my shot after a couple of drinks. No, there's you know minimal repercussions that could happen from that. So <laughs> this is incredibly disappointing. It is. Also, you you know, I I just have to say too, in terms of like multiple people at his company being furloughed, it sounds like whatever company Randy works for could use a little risk management help. And that's where our friends at Federated come in. All right, Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here to help your business with peace of mind, with risk management resources. In fact, MyShield was recently launched by Federated, the online client destination for risk management resources. So uh, think about all the things that could be risks at your company, whether it's company vehicles, company ladders. Well, MyShield and Federated have resources and policies and uh, various guidelines that you can help create for your employees and your company. Federatedinsurance.com or download the app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. By the way, Randy Vike 69 just put out a tweet. Yeah. I have to rework my mock now. So he's now letting <laughs> Twitter know, as well as our show, that he has to rework his entire mock. I think you should put that clip out on social media of him doing what he just did, just so people can know how big of a, how big of a, a, a show-stealing fraud he was today. Yeah. So what precious real estate we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So is the real reason why he did not give us the Vikings 14th pick is because he was embarrassed that Phil pointed out that Fields was not gone yet and he realized oh, he, he had screwed he, up. Yeah. I bet and, he re- and so now he's going to redo the mock and have 
Fields probably going within the top five or something. Yeah, so he, Do you think he that's probably, it or top eight? Well, I, at one point I thought I heard him typing too, so I, I don't want to accuse him of anything, but mm. yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was maybe he was fishing for mm. someone else's mock there. I think Peter Schrager has been in his head for a couple of years. He called him out. Well, he yeah, because yeah, yeah. there there was the whole plagiarism accusation against Schrags a few years back. Yeah, so uh, got ugly. Anyhow, gentlemen, we're gonna win twins. Go Kyle Scarlet. Garlic is in left. That's right. So talking twins every single day for the most part, I would guess, between now and <laughs> when the, the twins finally win a playoff Look game. Look at the producer. Look how pissed <laughs> off he is. So actually, no, let's give Declan the floor uh, here. I agree. So the, there's a couple things we have to get to on today's talking twins. And by the way, you can find bonus lengthy episodes of uh, of talking twins too on Mondays on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. We're going to be talking twins every single day here. Uh, and until uh, until they become irrelevant or until they finally lose in the playoffs. But uh, Kyle Garlick is on the roster that came out yesterday, the, the final 26-man roster, over Brent Rooker. And so uh, Derek Falvey and Rocco Baldelli sat down with Brent Rooker and said, listen, we know that you've torn it up offensively even in the major leagues last year for a while, but Kyle Garlick, journeyman outfielder, who had a great spring training, has made the team over you. Declan Goff, what are your thoughts? Uh, this is incredibly frustrating because this is the bass backwards, for the lack of a better words, way to approach how to handle your top prospects and reward the right players. Kyle Garlick has been around the block. He's 29 years old. Okay, He's a waiver claim. This is just classic twins, old-school twins baseball thinking. Brent Rooker was one of the most prolific college baseball hitters of the last five years, he was, a, he was a boss at Mississippi State. He's accomplished everything in the minor leagues. And apparently, Rocco Baldelli, the, the disturbance in the kitchen, our guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm, sat down with Brent Rooker and says, well, we're going to keep those conversations private. <laughs> but there are a lot of encouraging things you can say about Brent Rooker. He's a tremendous offensive player. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think his defense, he basically insinuated that his defense is holding him back a little bit. Dude, he's a he's a tree stump with a glove. Yeah, okay? like, he's a butcher. But, in the outfield. Yes. but guess That's what? True. Who are also above average defenders in center and right field? Byron Buxton and Max Kepler at their respective positions. Byron Buxton being a plus plus defender, and Max Kepler being at at the very least an average right fielder and probably slightly above it. Right. So you can sacrifice a little bit of fielding miscues from a guy like Brent Rooker when you have an outfield that's already above average and as bad as ready. Kyle Garlick's going to be off this team by June 1st, dude. You know, he's just a random waiver claim guy. He's not going to make any impact on this team going forward. Are you make serious? It verbally, make it verbally binding yeah, tomorrow. Write, it down. write that down. He's off the roster on June 1st. That's no problem. I'll write it down. Right, I'll, put it in, I'll put it in the notes. Make sure yeah. we get that. Yeah, I'll, the executive yeah. producer will put it in the notes. He's going to be off this roster. It's just, it's incredibly frustrating. Because there's no minor league season either that really starts until May. So it's a simulated game. So him and Kirloff are just sitting there. Getting, you know, I'm sure they're still taking their hacks and whatnot, but it doesn't help the development of a guy like Brent Rooker to just sit there while Kyle Garlick, who has a nice spring for no and gets rewarded for it for no GP reason. God, dude. Oh, you almost said it. You almost, almost had to bleep yourself. I almost said Kirk Cousins and Kyle Garlick just get me fired up, dude. All right. Oh. So, so I disagree. I disagree. And so I'll lay out my case here. Maybe Judd, maybe Judd can play judge and jury here. So, so Rooker is a terrible defender in the outfield. So that, that, I think that's where this premise starts. And I'll even go back further. I think when the, when the Twins front office looked at, in Rocco Baldelli, when they looked at that series against the Astros, so we all looked and said, can somebody hit a double to the gap and score two runs? Because like they, they just, the Twins, we talk about the 18-game playoff losing streak. The Twins haven't scored more than four runs in a playoff game also since, like, 2004. So offense in these key situations has been a big problem. So on that level, well, Brent Rooker's got potentially a really good bat, right? But I think the thing that stands out most to the Twins front office and Rocco Baldelli is the defensive miscue in that close game against Houston. In the I think it was the deciding game, too. And Jorge Polanco butchers that play at second base and throws that ball into right field. And I think they looked at that and said, "All right, first things first, he's not going to be our shortstop next year. Like let's 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 get a real shortstop in here, Andrelton Simmons." And then I think they went a step further mentally and said, 
Let's just be, we've got Donaldson at third, Andrelton Simmons at shortstop, Byron Buxton in center field. Let's go out and be the best defensive team in Major League Baseball. And Brent Rooker does not really fit into that profile because he's just not, like, if you thought Josh Willingham was bad in the outfield, I mean, Brent Rooker, at least in the small sample we've seen him, has been really, really bad. And so I think, uh, I think they think Garlic is a better defensive player than Rooker, which seems to be a no-brainer. But I also think they looked at Garlic's ascension through the minor leagues the last few years. Now, he didn't play in the minor leagues last year because there were no minor leagues. But this dude had a 1,000 OPS in AAA in 2019 in the Dodgers organization when he was like 27 years old, which is a higher OPS than Brent Rooker has put up in any year in the minor leagues. And I think they look at that and say, boy, this dude, like he, he was a 28th-round pick. He's worked his ass off. He's a better defensive player. He was, he was lightning hot his last stint in AAA, and he was the hottest player in spring training. How can we not give this guy a look for a couple months while Brent Rooker, uh, while Brent Rooker looks to, I don't know, like grow faster legs? <laughs> I don't know what the solution is for him in the outfield. But I, I'm just t- telling you, Dex, I see their logic. I also think Brent Rooker is going to be a really good major league hitter. So I, but I see yeah. their logic on this. Yeah, I remember when uh, Chris Parmley at 24 years old at AAA had an OPS over 1100 too, and he turned out to be a really, really good player. So I, I just, I would rather reward the top prospect who was what like the 40th overall pick a couple years ago in the 2017 draft, over rewarding a waiver claim guy who has just recycled and been around the block. It could be a Robbie Grossman situation, right, where he actually turns out there's a productive career there. And he can have a nice little cup of coffee, but I think Brent Rooker at the end of the day is going to make a bigger impact than Kyle Garlick will. All right, Judd. All right, break the tie here. The reality is the tiebreaker is one guy, and it ain't Kyle Garlick, and it's not Brent Rooker. It's Alex Kirloff. This is a holding place. What what this tells you is nobody won that job. This is why I wanted Kirloff to hit 260 so that we we could just openly rip the twins, but he didn't, and it makes it tougher. Uh, but, I mean, this is nothing more than a holding pattern. Like, this is a who should play there. And, Phil, defensively, you're probably right. I, I mean, I saw – so Rooker played in seven games before he took the Zach Plezak pitch off his arm and broke his arm at Target Field last year, and he's a butcher out there. He's pro- He probably projects to uh, possibly have – having the opportunity to be Sano's replacement at first base when Sano strikes out 1,000 times and they finally get sick of that. Because uh, I don't think he or he's going to replace Cruz as DH long-term. I don't think he has a future in a big league outfield consistently. He's just not that guy. But, I mean, this all this all comes back to one thing. The placeholder for Kirloff. That's what this job is. He's coming up at some point. I don't know if they're going to try and get him at bats in St. Paul starting on May 4th or if this uh, charade is going to be completed by the fact that he gets zero at bats before he comes up. I believe the date that they can call him up without forfeiting the year of service time is April the 16th. But the bottom line is nobody won this job. The Twins just had a really good excuse to say, Kirloff hit one, what, 22 or so. He's going down for now. He will be back very soon. Don't you feel like they almost, like, it just in order to not look fishy and further not to be a grievance, don't they almost have to hold Kirloff and Rooker down until they're actually, they actually play minor league games? I mean, can they really can they really say on April 16th, all right, they've had a few workouts in St. Paul or down in Florida I agree with, right, you, with yeah. the other minor leaguers, and yeah. now, now the but problems you know are ironed out without playing a game in the minors. Yeah, yes, you're probably right, but here's the thing. The Players Association at some point in time agreed to the stupid rule. Like, it's their fault. Put your foot down and say, no, we're not doing... I mean, who came up with, like, April 16th as this mythical... The Cubs just sent a guy down, uh, second baseman, had a great spring. Like, easily one of the best players on that team in the spring. And I know it's hashtag small sample size, but still. And I believe he, he needs to spend 36 days down, and then he can come up and won't get the year of service time. Who agreed to this crap? Like, who said, we'll sign there? Yeah, that sounds like a good deal. Like, make the team have to make a decision that's either going to be punitive completely or screw it, he can start on opening day. So I fault the players, too. And if this rule is not taken out in in the next um, CBA that's going to be negotiated this winter, 
then they're idiots because this this is one of the dumbest things in sports possible. Like we're talking about this collection of good young talent. Baseball is the only sport where we're suppressing the excitement. Yeah. One last note on garlic here too. I'm ordinarily very much anti reward a great spring training guy because I just think you do more damage to your team by saying, wow, Luke Hughes was great against triple-A pitching in spring training as guys got ramped up, and so let's give him a featured spot in the lineup. Like, I would put more stock into their major and minor league track records than I would into, like, three weeks of spring training at-bats. That's why I'm not freaking out over Max Kepler. I think I would be more nervous about Max Kepler having a couple down years uh, in the major leagues than I would be about him having two hits in spring training. But with Garlic, I, I just to just to you know belabor the point, he was great in the minor league. Now it's the Pacific Coast League in 2019. It's a more offense friendly league, and so you're going to see higher OPSs. A lot of those, like there's just a lot of hitter friendly stadiums and whatnot. Um, so I, I do think they're taking into account the last time he played a full season, 2019. He was great offensively, and then he carried that over into spring training. So the other thing from yesterday. And I wasn't on the the Talking Twins show with you guys and Jake DePew, but apparently Judd Zolgad, you said 96 wins and a third, for this Twins team. And a third consecutive division title. I am assuring no playoff success, so I stop right there. 18 consecutive defeats. I will I will uh, punt on trying to predict what's going to happen once the Twins get to the playoffs. Hopefully for their sake, they can finally win a game. But yes, I said 96 wins, and here's why. One, I think people are down on the Twins because of the playoff lack of success. But I think this team could be pretty damn good. And I don't think the starting pitching at the top has been this good for a long time. A long time? So I actually think that there's a case to be made that the Twins go into the season with a strong club. And, and I mean, this is the absolute key, but I'm, predica- I'm predicating the prediction on guys staying healthy. But, Phil, if you've got... Simmons is short. Donaldson at third. Let's go out on a massive limb and say Buxton plays. And let's say plays 140 or something like that, okay? I I know, I know. Blown mind. I'm with you. But if you look at this team defensively and pitching-wise, they could be pretty damn strong. They've still got pop at at the plate. I think guys like Garver are going to come back. Uh, If Donaldson can play consistently, he could be... Very good. I mean, go go back to uh, 2019 when Donaldson played 155 games for the Braves. He had a great year. And my other point on saying 96 wins in a division title for the Twins is based on this. And I've been high on this team for two years. But I think we're now over our skis on White Sox fever, and here's why. Jimenez being hurt is a big deal. Lance Lynn is a big pickup. And the more I think about this, I think to myself, Lance Lynn looks basically like I do, okay? And he pitched for the Rangers last year, who were sort of a dumpster fire, and he was really good on a dumpster fire. He's now going to be pitching in Chicago on a team with expectations. That changes things. So I'm not sure that he's going to be as good as the White Sox or the prognosticators expect. And then the last thing, and I feel like we don't talk about this enough. If A.J. Hinch had gotten the White Sox job, I think I might pick them to win the division. But Tony LaRusse is an old curmudgeonly man who is taking over one of the funnest teams, I think, in baseball. Anderson, Abreu, like look at this club. Uh, Yeah, look at that club and look at their talent and look at how their talent is is also a group that likes to bat flip. No problem there. I love that. But, I mean, they're fun. And they're going to be managed by this old curmudgeon who probably is going to sit at the hotel bar on the road and complain about bat flips. I think that there's a lot that can go wrong there. And I do think the one thing, last point, in the regular season that Rocco brings, and I appreciate this, is stability. I could see the Twins, again, being very successful and getting up to 95 or 96 wins, and then come fall, they're on their own. You know, yeah. You know, I'm so I just want to pick a few things and react here. So I, I think they're kind of between 90 and 94. I said 94 yesterday on Twitter, just just for the high end. 
and for the first time in, I started doing a daily radio show with Patrick Royce before the 2010 season, and I think I've put a record out every single year just to like, just to put something out and to be wrong or right, mostly wrong. This is the first year that, I, and, and and then we would predict like playoff, like are they going to go to the playoffs, win the division? Like this is the first year where I'm not even going to venture a guess in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'll, I'll give you. I think they can win 94 games, mm-hmm. and then after that, I'm just along for the ride. So yep. like I'm not I'm not going to make any. They're going to win a playoff series predictions. A few things on the White Sox. I agree. I think overall the sentiment has been people are just way 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 too high on that team. There's so many things like. They just lost Eloy Jimenez for the season last week. One of their best hitters, just out for the season. Uh, I do disagree with you a little on Lance Lynn. Like, Lance Lynn had one bad season, and it was here in Minnesota, so we saw the worst of him. He played and pitched in some of the biggest games with the Cardinals before he came to the Twins. Like, that dude, is, he's been a big-game pitch, uh, pitcher before, and he's, and he's pitched on really good teams. So I don't, I don't, like, I think he's good, and I think he's going to be good for the White Sox. I think... Reasons for the White Sox being overinflated um, are more like they got a bunch of young players who aren't all going to ascend at the same time. So I think the Twins are more predictable. Like they've got a bunch of veterans with track records, and you can sort of predict their performance. And if they stay healthy, you can almost guarantee a certain level of performance. The thing that I love about the Twins the most going into this year, if Shoemaker and Hap can stay in that rotation and just be serviceable at the back end of the rotation – your bullpen is really, really good. I mean, the fact that you've got Jorge Alcala and Randy Dobnak as, like, multi-inning relievers that one guy throws 98 and the other guy comes in and gets ground balls. You've got So you've got those two firefighters in sort of the, you know, innings four through seven range. You've got three guys at the back end that could close. So I, I, I really, I think this is a sneaky good bullpen if they don't have to tap into it because, like, Matt Shoemaker can't stay healthy. Which has been the case his entire career. So, Dex, Dex, where, where are you at? How 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 far are you going to go with your Twins? Up? Yeah, I I think I said ninety two wins with Judd and Jake yesterday. I'm at ninety two wins. I think the White Sox win it by like a game. Um, I actually still think the White Sox lineup is just as good as the Twins without Eloy Jimenez. I think that lineup can absolutely rake. Um, and then my biggest caveat is if that back end of the White Sox rotation takes the next step. So those are guys like Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, who are high-end prospects, and Cease hasn't really panned out. Kopech opted out last year for multiple reasons. If those two dudes hit their ceilings, all of a sudden Dallas Keuchel becomes a four or five, and those two dudes are horses in the in their starting rotation, it gets scary. Then, like, the White Sox are not just going to have, oh, they're going to hit a lot of home runs and be a really good lineup. They're going to have a legitimate starting rotation. So I think it really hinges on those two dudes taking them over the top because right now they are, yeah, they're an 85 to 90 win team. I think that's pretty obvious over a course of a normal 162 game season. But if those two dudes take the next step in that rotation, I would be scared if I was the Twins. Yeah. Yeah, they do have, I mean, so I, I believe it's pronounced Kopich, and he's starting off in the bullpen this year. He hasn't really pitched in a game because I think he had Tommy John, then he opted out. It's been like yeah. three years. He had some like weird so, personal reasons, too, for opting out last year. So there was there was some weird things going on in his life. So he, but he, like, so they'll, they'll probably start him in the bullpen, and then maybe he becomes, like, they probably have to limit his innings. But yeah, Dylan Cease is a guy that could break out. So, you know, we're still waiting for some of these young, Royce, he wrote about this yesterday in the Star Tribune, just like, all right, it, it's been five years of Falvey and Levine. Where are the young breakout starting pitchers? Why Why is the scrap heap still being tapped into every winter for the J.A. Haps and you know what, though, Phil? Michael Pineda, et cetera? <laughs> that, that comes back to a confidence within that franchise that they can actually find pitchers off the street and develop bats. It, it was a, It's a very different philosophy, and, and I get it, but it's different than what we expected, right? And this goes to... Falvey's confidence that he can actually find arms off the street. It's why, right or wrong, the poster child for their potential hubris when it comes to pitching, Matt Whistler. They developed him and jettisoned him all in the same thing. They they basically, so I don't know that, I don't think they're going to develop as much pitching uh, from the organization as we thought. I think they're going to continue to think that they can find guys. And, and I will give them this. The Maeda trade right now might be part and parcel of that ability, and right now that looks really impressive. Yeah. All right, Judd, are you ready? Are you ready for? Oh, your I've big been ready since here? Sunday. If you smell 
is cooking. All right, we have Judd on. We're gonna we're gonna probably do this monthly, so we yeah, can we can't do it too much. Yeah, we can't do it too much. But Declan and I are huge, huge wrestling fans. We're we're definitely disappointed by the current WWE product, but Ugh. like we've been wrestling fans for a long time. Judd has basically never watched wrestling. Like he's never gotten into wrestling, and so every once in a while on the show, we have this segment called Judd Explains Wrestling. If you where we give Judd a homework assignment, and this week's homework assignment, the last time we did this was the Montreal Screwjob. Montreal Screwjob. One of the most famous moments in wrestling history. This is another one of the more famous moments in more recent wrestling history. Judd explains the CM Punk mic drop promo. Pipe drop. Pipe bomb. Pipe bomb. Promo, pipe bomb. Now, do, do you, Phil, want, want to set this up with a brief explanation, and then I will explain the rest as far as what this was Declan what do you think yeah should we, should we set it up or should we just make Judd talk about it and see what happens well t- well here I, I do think there should be a little bit of a backstory yeah give give the give the basic backstory and because I'm going to delve into the inside okay. baseball part of this like this okay. go this goes deep I'm not going to lie here so 10 years Very ago deep. 10 years ago CM Punk CM Punk was like was a really good tier two star in WWE with potential tier one aspirations. But he just never, like, he had a bunch of decent storylines, never fully broke through. He wasn't, like, the company man ass-kisser. And so his contract was coming up in, like, three weeks. And on Monday Night Raw, at the end of one of the episodes, he grabs a microphone, sits down at the top of the ramp, and spends, like, six, seven, eight minutes shredding the company on live TV. And people couldn't figure out, was this scripted? Was it real? Was it a combination of both? They cut his microphone off because he was about to he was about to tell a Vince McMahon bullying story, and then they cut his microphone off, and then boom, he gets launched into the stratosphere, and he goes on to become champion for like four hundred straight days, uh, and then it launches a, a short UFC career, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So uh, Judd Zolgad, take it away. June two thousand eleven is when this occurred. All right, first of all. Phil sent me the footage of the the actual pipe bomb and which I watched and then I went back and watched a bunch of punk and CM Punk first of all is fantastic okay one he doesn't like he he's a cut dude don't get me wrong here but he definitely does not look like he belongs in the world of wrestling as far as the huge steroided out guys um between his look and between his demeanor He's a smart, thoughtful guy who who you could tell can be a complete a-hole at times. Mm-hmm. He is basically wrestling's Trevor Bauer. He basically reminds me a lot of Bauer. That's actually very fair. Because yeah, he can be likable. He's not, but but he he can be if he flips the switch. It's it's very odd. Uh, but he's definitely smart. He's smart and he knows he, he's smart. Now, as far as the actual pipe bomb, I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to blow your mind. This was not a promo, and it was not a shoot. A shoot being an unscripted, he takes the mic and goes off script. This was not either of those things. It was both, and it was genius, okay? McMahon and company knew that they had this bitter, but yet really intelligent and articulate um, guy on staff who was negotiating a contract. And the key thing to keep in mind here about why it was not a promo or a shoot was CM Punk didn't leave WWE until 2014. So his contract was up, but but they were clearly in negotiations that proved fruitful in 2011 to bring him back. So what I think McMahon and his people did was they took the chance that they knew that CM Punk would essentially, for lack of a better term, if he got the mic, roast them, but it would be good. I don't think they knew it would be this good because, like, this, it was brilliant. Do you, do you think they cut his mic on, like, do you think the cutting of his mic was them here's saying, what I think they, right, that's enough, or do you think that was scripted? Here's what I think they told him. I think they said, essentially, you've got X amount of time, and then we're going to cut your mic. 
He said the company will be better when Vince McMahon is dead. Yeah, right, but on the, live but, TV. But, <laughs> but McMahon, but McMahon is he's an incredible, arrogant jerk. But he's smart enough to know mm-hmm. that CM Punk had the juice. He had the juice to carry that, and he did. Like it, and and it wasn't. It here's the thing about Punk that's di- different than like The Rock or Cena. Punk isn't a cartoon character. Like he's a great villain, but like The Rock's a cartoon character. He's this huge guy, and he's and he's he's great at what he does. But it's like a cartoon. Punk basically appealed to a whole different layer of people because he was this uh, recalcitrant malcontent, and he does a great job. And so I think McMahon knew exactly, or I think McMahon had an idea of what he was going to get. I don't think he cared because I think he knew it was going to be good. That being said, I don't think anybody could have predicted it was going to be as good as it was because Punk is fantastic. And the fact that he goes after the crowd and basically says, you're part of the problem, too, because you buy all these cups that don't have my picture. And he then goes into the whole thing. And the other thing he does is he does about five things. But I love this. When he looks at the camera and says, I'm breaking the fourth wall. That's a great line. And he also calls The Rock Dwayne. He doesn't call him Dwayne Johnson. He just calls him Dwayne and says he's an ass kisser. And here's and here's why I think they were they were brilliant and knew what Punk might do and signed off completely. Their star was Phil's guy. And I'm with Phil. I don't get this guy. Cena. Okay? That's De- that's Declan's guy. No, not any of our guys. No, but I mean you you oh, don't like Declan him. Like Cena. Not, not, but, not a big Cena guy. No. Okay. Both of you guys don't like him, and I know why. But what I'm saying is, Cena is a is the Rock light as far as trying to be, and he's a cartoon character, but he's not a great one. And so Punk is a complete curveball from that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he said, and, and plus too, how many wrestlers ever in the history of 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 shoots or promos have sat cross legged on a stage? And delivered a soliloquy like that, like it's it was totally, genius. it's totally yeah. genius. Just in terms of like, like just in terms of being in front of a sold out arena crowd, I think, and in front of probably two or three million people on TV, to just be that comfortable and flawless delivering the biggest promo of your life is amazing. That's that is live television. I know, and then to go, he's doing that, and then to go after everybody and the fan and when he when he said people that like me are the problem too and then he lays it out completely and and the most important thing is i don't think he's kidding so like i think mcmahon said okay bleep it it's going to be good we don't care but this is not this is not scripted like he's pissed he was he was mad um yeah the whole thing the delivery the reason why i i also think that it was somewhat Pre-plan- I think it was pre-planned, but not scripted completely. Is is so he goes, he shows up and surprises them, right? And he slams Cena into the table, and then he goes and takes the mic, and somebody just gives him the mic. So it's not like he went and grabbed it, and they were trying to take the mic o- away. So I do, I do think that they turned him loose, knowing he was disgruntled but the the plan was and it worked out this way that he was going to sign a contract which he did i think that summer so anyway the whole thing as far as the marketing of wwe goes was brilliant wow so declan how would you grade judd's explanation yeah man uh, of of the cm punk pipe bomb there that's a that's an a that's an A. That's an A explanation. Um, Lots of notes. I actually did not see the pipe bomb up until like a year ago. I didn't even know the pipe bomb existed up until like a year ago. Wow. Um, I had <laughs> I I exited wrestling from like two thousand six seven to basically like twenty fourteen. So like I I had this gap where I didn't know what happened with wrestling, and then like after WWE Network came in, I started watching back old stuff between that gap period that I missed. But it was during the pandemic last year where I was like, I'm just going down a rabbit hole. Like, what was the best thing that happened in 2011? I literally Googled best WWE 2011. Of course, the pipe bomb and, and the summer of punk came up. Because there's even more that goes in to CM Punk. I mean, that pipe bomb is the crown jewel. But that rivalry with Cena, his match with him at Money in the Bank, 
another promo where he's in Boston, I think with the next week on Raw. So he's in Cena's hometown. And he basically calls out Cena, and that that's another great line. I don't know if you saw that one, Judd, but Cena basically, or a Punk calls Cena, like, you're the Boston Red Sox. You're the underdog that everyone wanted to root for, and then you win a bunch of championships, and you're just as big of a problem that is the New York Yankees. And Cena legitimately <laughs> slaps him. And I believe the tape, like, that was not like a, oh, I'm going to slap you, like, this is a little work thing. Like, that was a legitimate slap, screw you, CM Punk. Like, the hatred between the two was so real. So, yeah, bravo, Judd. Bravo, Love man. it. Judd Zolgad explaining Could wrestling. I got one question, though. Cena, here's my question. The only problem with the pipe bomb is him, and here's why. When Punk shows up, and it's clearly a surprise, and Cena sees Punk and jumps out of the ring and goes to confront him, he takes a swipe or swing at Punk that, like, doesn't even come close. <laughs> How bad was this guy at that? Like, m- most of yeah, these guys was. are brilliant. Like, if I look like I'm going to hurt you, it's <laughs> going to look like, and I probably do hurt you some. Cena takes a slap at Punk, and, I mean, I swear there's air between the yeah, slap and the- him. A lot of the guys oh, from me. like so so one of his, so one of Cena's two finishers is a submission move called the STFU, where he essentially like you're on your stomach and he's like grabbing your face and pulling it back. And a lot of the old like Stone Cold Steve Austin, a lot of these guys from the late '90s will rip him for that move looking so fake. Like he leaves so much air between his hands and the guy's neck, and it just like he's he's just, he 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 doesn't. In wrestling, it's called working stiff when you are when you are known for like laying your punches in and really hitting guys. And so the guys like John Bradshaw Layfield would work stiff all the time, and they would legitimately hurt their opponents sometimes. And John Cena, I think, has gone out of his way for twenty years to just not hurt his opponent, and it looks bad sometimes on TV. Anyway, so. yeah, I was that was my only problem with the yeah. pipe bomb, but it was so, great. Judd Zolgat, I agree that was an A plus explanation, and we'll pick another topic at some point here next month and Judd will explain wrestling to us again. That is a wrap on today's Mackie and Judd show. Don't forget daily Vikings conversations on purple daily podcast and also our YouTube channel. We have two YouTube channels and we're up to 17,500 subscribers between the two of them. So thank you everyone for clicking subscribe on score North MN YouTube and also on purple daily YouTube. And to everyone who has downloaded the score North app, during the month of March. Over a 1,000 new registered users on our app. We appreciate all of you guys. We are your home for daily Minnesota sports entertainment and grieving in most cases. And we'll see you guys tomorrow for Write That Down Predictions. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.